Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today, I am joined by Randy Ornstein, the Senior Director of Beverages at GoPuff and the author of Grow, The Essential Guide to Getting Promoted. Randy, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you, Casey. It's a pleasure to be here. Very exciting. Absolutely. So I am very pumped up, not only for you, but for the listeners today, because you have a book that is just coming out, as mentioned um, just shortly, I said, grow the essential guide to getting promoted. So for the people that may not know who you are and your experience at GoPuff or as a, as a leader, uh, how long have you been at GoPuff and what led you down this path? Yeah, I, I've been at GoPuff three and a half years and it's been a very exciting run. I, I joined pre COVID and uh, with COVID happening, you know, our, our business ballooned overnight and, and it's been an amazing ride. We're basically taken on the leader of the instant needs category in my uh i manage the beverage business so the alcohol and non-alcohol drinks which is uh, some of the fastest growing categories there but i've been in beverages my whole career and i started my career um at iri which is a syndicated data company with my client being anheuser-busch and based in an anheuser-busch office managing um, sales um, for them uh, and then I was employed by Anheuser-Busch for 15 years. So basically worked 18 years at the number one brewer in the world and had an amazing run of um, getting promoted multiple times. I actually got promoted seven times throughout my career from more of an entry-level position managing um, the category space management team um, for our Walmart business in Bentonville, Arkansas, drawing planograms of where beer goes on the shelf to then uh, running uh, sales for Walmart and Sam's Club, uh, our number one client for all of Anheuser-Busch, and then taking on four different VP positions, uh, leading our non-alc business and beyond beer. And so over the years, I was asked um, to present at the graduation of our sales development training program, which was basically roughly 30 to 40 college graduates that just joined Anheuser-Busch, went on a six month, uh, call it training program. And then the last day was a graduation and I was asked to give the keynote speech a few times to, to those graduates. And I always just pre presented one slide and the slide was like five tips that I used to move up the ladder to Anheuser-Busch. And one of those tips would be like data is power and you have to use data effectively to make strategic decisions to get the yes. And over the years, um, those individuals would come up to me later, who I might not have even ever known and say, Randy, I still know your, I still remember those five tips that you sent to me five years ago. And it kept sticking and the, the story kept happening. And I kept growing my tips um, over the years as I joined a new team or um, added new people to my team, I would present like, here's how to be successful at Anheuser-Busch. And so after a while, I said, you know, we got to put this pen to paper and start formulating this out and sharing more with the world versus just the employees that I was working with. And so I was right. able That's to utilize cool. the experiences that I had at Anheuser-Busch. But then as I moved to GoPuff three and a half years ago, able to then take um, experiences working for a retailer as, as GoPuff as a retailer that sells goods versus Anheuser-Busch, a supplier that actually sells to retailers. Uh, no, that's, that's very, 
very cool to hear. And I have so many questions about the book, your experience, but before we get there, what led you down the path of getting into beverage? Was that a part of your plan? You know, when you were in school, did you want to get into the beverage grill alcohol business or, you know, what led you down that path from a career standpoint? Yeah, actually, uh, it was very random. Uh, I grew up in South Florida and um, basically my entire high school went to college at UF, FSU or Miami. And I decided I want to go out of state and, and get out of Florida. I lived there my entire life. And I was really into sports and I wanted to be an athletic trainer for a professional sports team. And so Indiana University had a, one of the best programs out there. And so I took a leap of faith and uh, went to IU. I was one of two, two people from my grade <laughs> at high school to go and went there literally knowing that one individual and no one else. And I, uh, uh, my major was athletic training for my first two years. And as I was, I enjoyed it, but as I was thinking about my future, I didn't see a lot of opportunity only 1% of trainers actually make it to the professional level. And I saw that a lot of trainers are working two jobs out of college, probably in a high school or in a training facility. And I, I just didn't see that path for me. And so I switched yeah. to business and, and was in the Kelly School of Business at IU. And um, I've always been uh, pretty good in math and statistics. And and so I, uh, I was a... Um, I interviewed for many companies and one of those companies happened to be IRI, which is a syndicated data company. And mm -hmm. I ended up joining them and moved to Chicago. And there was a one month training class that they put you in. And uh, their, ask, they, their ask was, where do you wanna live after this one month? And uh, most of my friends from IU moved to Chicago. And so IRI happened to be based in Chicago and I wrote, I'd, I'd like to be based in Chicago. And um, the only job available in Chicago for my level was a, an opening at the Anheuser-Busch office. And so it was pretty random that yeah. if I would have picked Cincinnati, I'd probably <laughs> be working for Procter & Gamble. Yeah. You know, I had certainly I've drinking beer before, but I wasn't an expert. I knew really nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's really what has made me uh, enjoy enjoy beverages and really have a passion for beverages. I've literally been in and out of my entire career. Wow. And I'm just curious, like as someone that once didn't know anything about the beverage business and now, as you just said, being in it your entire career, what are the, what are some of the most important things you've learned to become successful and grow a beverage business in the way that you have, whether that's at Anheuser or in the GoPuff division? And, you know, what do you tell someone that is interested about the space that wants to learn more in terms of what to look out for and, and what determines, you know, success in the business overall. Yeah. I think what's exciting about beverages and, and when I say beverages, that's both alcohol and non-alcohol. Um, there's been a ton of innovation and trend in this space. I think it's the more innovation in this space than in any other um, grocery type of product. And, what I really like is that, especially in the non-alcoholic drinks world, you basically have to drink um, to stay alive. Like every every person has, drinks six to eight beverages a day. And so it's up to my job now to make sure that at least one or two of those drinks is coming from GoPuff or mm -hmm. previously from Anheuser-Busch. And remember, they're also drinking tap water and, and milk and orange juice. And so it's one of those categories that, uh, 
continues to grow because you basically need the drink and the alcohol business. It's really fun because uh, people drink when they're happy. People drink when they're sad. It's pretty recession proof. It's a, it, there's a lot of, uh, when you go to the bar, you see your product in this, in the bar, it's like an amazing opportunity to see. We have tons of marketing in terms of uh, sports partnerships and uh, billboards and commercials. But I think it's just that what I really enjoy about it is, is more of how many different types of beverages you could create out of like a base. There's so much blurring going on where if you look at the trends of like sparkling water back in the day with like LaCroix and then yep. Waterloo, and then it's ballooned into so many different types of carbonated water with aptogen based things right now, the CBD. Yep. Um, and then it, and then it, carried into alcohol, which now hard seltzer has been like all the craze in the last five years. Um, I was grateful at Anheuser-Busch to work on Spike Seltzer, which then changed its name to Bon & Viv, which is technically the first ever hard seltzer in America, even before White Claw. And wow. so to be able to work on one of the most innovative classes of beverages that we've seen that really in alcohol has, has been a fascinating ride. And then to see all the spinoffs that come out of it. People are always trying to find a better way to produce a product. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, totally. There's very a lot of creativity. Absolutely. And I think for me, like, as I think about this conversation, I, I think the, the alcoholic path and the non-alcoholic. And I'll say one thing, like one of my favorite industries is beverage as a consumer, right? Like I, I go into different grocery stores. I, I truly enjoy, you know, not only tasting the new beverages, but as you said, there's such a plethora of different drinks and brands out there that are, they're speaking differently to consumers. I recently had the the founder of Olipop on the show and like love that drink. I'm friends with the founders of Super Coffee and like the way that they've built a brand in that space is incredible. And I want to ask you like, what in your opinion makes a beverage brand stand out and what makes it successful long-term? You've been in this space, you have a unique perspective and you know, some of the brands that I've just mentioned or the ones that you've worked with, you know, what creates yep. success in that space and longevity? So number one, taste is king. If the product does not <laughs> taste good, then people will not buy it. And, and it's, it's my number one rule. Um, you could get anyone to buy your beverage once. It's pretty easy, but to get them to buy it again and again, that repeat rate is very hard. And if the consumer does not like your product, then they will go and find another product. So it, number one, it needs to taste good. Number two, I think there needs to be a continual um, focus on innovation. Uh, consumers taste change frequently. And so it's important that um, you launch with a few flavors, but then every year you're reintroducing new flavors to continue to build loyalty with your consumer. But then you're also removing flavors that aren't working uh, and just causing dead space on the shelf. Mm. And then I think number three is uh, it's more of a focus on um, health and wellness, but, but in a good way. I think that um, certainly back in the old days, it, it was all sugary drinks. You're seeing healthier, but, but it needs to taste good too, which goes back to number one. So there needs to be health attributes to make you want to drink it again and again and not feel guilty. Uh, but not, not that it, you're trying to chug it uh, because it's healthy, but the, it, it's just hard to drink because the, the taste is <laughs> not there. Yeah. Um, I think fourth, I'll add 
one more like the branding is is really key and if you have the right brand the right message the right uh look that will also do wonders because there's a bunch of beverage brands and grocery brands on the shelf and usually consumers are walking down only for a few seconds and so what's going to spot their eye when you're on gopuff and on your app you know we carry 650 beverage SKUs, not all drinks so which ones are going to stand out? They're, they can't pick up the, the can or bottle. So if the image looks cool, it's sharp, it's got a good message, then yep. then maybe that one will help get the yes. Totally. And, and speaking of branding distribution, I, I had on John Shahidi from Full Send and, you know, Happy Dad. And we had this whole conversation about alcohol and how, you know, from a creator standpoint, they really capitalized on, yes, you know, they could have promoted any type of beverage brand, but they launched Happy Dad and it's been quite the success based on our conversation. And, you know, people, I think, see it everywhere, especially their, their followers. And, you know, they've, they've, in my opinion, have like recreated the way to launch a beverage brand. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, creators or people like the, the full send group launching beverage brands and how you believe that will be either a trend or not in the future for other creators launching brands. Cause you, you see it, you know, celebrities all the time launching alcohol brands, but the way that, Full send did it, and the conversation I had with John, it was just so unique, and they've done very, very well so far. Yeah, amazing brand. It's one of our uh, best-selling hard seltzer brands. It's <laughs> one of our strongest partnerships. We, we've that. actually um, were the first retailer to sell their product in California <laughs> a few years ago, and um, we have a weekly meeting with with them to talk about how to continue to get better on GoPuff, Bevmo, and Liquor Barn, uh, which is the companies that we own. That's awesome. And I, I, I feel like I get probably five requests a week of beverages that have a celebrity influencer, investor, founder, or influencer. Like it's, it's pretty overwhelming. We're, we're talking to celebrities left and right. And some of them are active where they're on the calls with us. They're in the stores trying to drive traffic. They're on social media trying to push. And then others are, um, they're non-existent and you actually don't even know that a celebrity's tagged with, with happy dad and the Nelk boys, they've been like completely active. Um, they've, uh, gone into our BevMo and GoPuff locations and had a, and made sure that their audience consumers knew yeah, um, that it, they were they've there. Done very well at that. We, we have like security guards in the parking lot <laughs> trying to block traffic and Lamborghinis everywhere, like thousands of crazy fans and you can't even open the store because it would be chaotic and they're signing 12 packs left and right. Um, they're giving away um, anything that they can, uh, but they, they really uh, focus digitally, which is where their consumer is through their podcast or through their social media yep. and told their consumers where they could find the product. And so they've done a good job of showcasing um, you know, our, our, our portfolio of where we sell they, we've done um, different sweepstakes with them to drive excitement. Um, we've, we've done, um, they have every two months, they, they have their, um, they launched their brand, you know, their t-shirts, their, yep. their sweatshirts, everything that they, you know, they I won't, won't reveal the numbers that they release, but it's a lot. Yeah. And so they've given us opportunity to sell um, Halloween costumes um, last year, like happy dad Halloween costumes. And, um, very cool stuff that you only can buy in our platform. And yeah, that's awesome. Uh, they're just very active and they really <laughs> want to, every time they enter a new market, 
they really want that market to succeed. And so they're, I haven't seen a brand where every time they launch a new market, the founders actually in the market for a whole week trying to push volume. Um, most yeah. of the times you're in your home market and just l hoping your team does it for you, but they're out there doing the hard work. Absolutely. No, I, I'd love to see it. I mean, you, you see them everywhere. I think they've done a great job and it's so cool to know that you guys work so closely. Um, I, I want to pivot the conversation to your book that just came out, Grow, The Essential Guide to Getting Promoted. Number one is, you know, what inspired this book? And I'd love to just hear your mindset on putting out this book and what excites you about it when it comes to the, the readers and listeners of this show and the readers of the book. Yeah, it's crazy to think because I am not a big reader and I would <laughs> never have thought myself as an author. Um, I did, did average in high school in English and I was always more of a math um, student, analytics. And, you know, I shared my story earlier um, at Anheuser-Busch. I've always prided myself on uh, when an employee of mine gets promoted, it was like, a, that was like the biggest win for me. It was like, sure, certainly I like to move up the ladder, but I felt that was even more successful when one of my employees got promoted and moved up the corporate ladder. And, and for me, that always stuck with me. I, I always enjoyed mentoring um, uh, employees at, at the companies I've worked with. Usually um, those employees would come up to me and ask, Hey, you know, I'd love for you to be my mentor. And, we would meet monthly to talk about what what they could do to improve. I felt that was always like a sounding board for for other people, um, not on my team. They would just come up to me. I've I've always been more of a loyal and pretty transparent person, where I would say say what I thought, say say it as it is. I didn't sugarcoat things, and uh, I also am lucky enough to have a wife that actually wrote the book with me. Wow, she, Haley. She's a psychologist. She's a, she's done a, she's much better so writer cool. than I am. And so she actually wrote the book, but using my experiences. And no so, way. Yeah. And she's on the cover. Yep. So it's, yep. It's uh, Randy and Haley Ornstein. Um, that is so cool. Really How did that process, did that, was that the goal since the inception of the book or did that naturally come, no. come about? The, the goal was um, strictly for me to write the book. And, um, and I, and I did that for about a year, um, but it was probably garbage back then. This is like four years ago. And, um, my wife, um, just got involved and not, you know, she's not a business major or psychologist. And so it was a lot of, um, her trying to take all the information out of my head and, and more of simplified a little bit more. Cause I, I tend to, you know, since I know my world very well, I wanted to make sure that the readers could understand everything I was saying. And so I think she did a great job of making it so that you don't even have to be in the beverage industry to understand the book. You could be in any type of industry, but still use the tactics in there to get promoted. I think what she also did really well is after we did a first edit of the book, our publisher Greenleaf had said that you need to add more research. There was no validating research to say what I'm actually saying is, is even true. Like, does it, you know, does other um, people that have wrote books or have done research validate that? And so um, she was, she read many, many business books to then um, put footnotes and supporting documents um, to support a lot of the things that, that we wrote in the book, which I think is brought it to the next level. 
Yep. I think uh, another really interesting thing is I wrote, we wrote this book pre COVID and post COVID. And um, I was a hundred percent always in the office and now I'm a hundred percent not in the office. Mm. And so a lot of the tips um, that I, that I portray are how to be successful, both working in an office, but also virtually through zoom and through Google meets. I, I would love, environment. I would love to stop you there real quick because I think it's, it's a very unique topic, right? Like thinking about the guide to getting promoted, how, how do you think about, you know, the different tactics, which I know the people will learn in the book, um, but at a high level of working toward getting promoted in office on zooms is one easier is one a more laid out blueprint or how do you think about that? I think there's pros and cons with both. I think if you're in your office with your boss and your team every day, it's a lot easier to have um, informal conversations. In between meetings, you could talk for a few minutes. You could talk in the break room. You could go to lunch. You could build relationships and connections. There's happy hours. There's, there's a lot more um, informal conversation to build connections and relationships. And and that's really one of the keys that I have in the book is um, you need to build relationships, not just within your boss, within your peers, but within cross-functional teams as well, because you might never just stay on your one team for the rest of your career. You might move teams to teams. And if you build strong relationships with other departments, um, then you, you might get noticed by them and eventually um, move into those departments. When you're working virtually, it's very hard to do that. You're you're literally only talking to your team, your boss, your cross-functional departments on Zoom. Uh, and there's not in-between. So yeah. after a 30-minute Zoom, you might be going to another 30-minute Zoom. There's no like three-minute break to go up and down the stairs and go to the next conference room. And so you miss out on that small talk. Also, there's no there's no lunches. You're not going out and and there's no happy hours. And quite frankly, you might not even see some of your employees for months at a time. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now um, I'm based in Philly of, of my 24 person team. There's only one other person that lives in Philly with me. The rest of the people live all over the country, um, many in California and, and Chicago and Dallas and, and DC. And so my boss doesn't even live in America. He lives in Europe. <laughs> and so, you know, to you, you, it's harder to do that. And so you need to basically um, manage your meetings and schedule time to meet with these cross-functional people, your bosses on an ongoing basis to develop these partnerships. Because if you don't, uh, you're just gonna be like a hidden person working at your office and no one's really yep. gonna know who you are. And you're gonna be more of a ghost and, and you really need to get be proactive and get out there and do your best to um, to make those meetings count. I love that. And, you know, I, I would love to get, uh, just some of your key points. If you had to, you know, bring some, some golden nuggets out of the book to share with the listeners today about, you know, the truest, as you say, the essential guide to getting promoted, you know, there's lots of different entrepreneurs or early employees or young aspiring entrepreneurs that might be working a job that are, you know, looking to get promoted, looking to do better, looking to grow up uh, and uh, go up the food chain of, of corporate, but do it in a very uh, actionable way with a strategy, not just hope for the best. And, 
you know, in your book, you lay that out very, very well. But what are some of the key things to focus on if you are looking to get promoted in a unique way with a strategy? I think in the book, does it a good way. It's broken into two parts. So one part is, is like everyday excellence. And it's, it's more of the everyday things you're doing, like how to manage your messages in a better way. Like, like when your boss is emailing you or calling you, you should, you should pick up the phone and respond. Or if he emails you or she emails you, you should respond pretty quickly. You shouldn't wait days. Like you need to have a sense of urgency um, there. And I think that, uh, you need to use uh, in, in a collaborative team environment. Um, you're never a person that's doing 100% of the work from your team. It's always a we environment. It's not an I environment. And I always um, got turned off when I was uh, listening to presentations where the, the person presenting was always like, I did this, I did that, I, I, I. When you know that there's no way that that person did 100%, they, other people help them, but they're trying to take 100% of the credit. And so I try and do over my career, this has been a tip I've used forever. I, I change the I to a we, and I, and I always use the reference, we did this, we did that. And I really feel that um, when you say that, that the perception is much better. I remember meeting with, with um, a retailer in Michigan that um, I, I met with them the first time, the 30-minute meeting, I kept saying we. And a week later, that, that individual emailed me and, and basically was like, I was very impressed that you um, said we, like throughout the presentation, <laughs> it, it, you could, I could tell that you appreciated the team that you're working on, that you didn't want to take the credit. And, and I, that stuck with me. And, wow. And that's one of those things that even when I write an email, I usually, after I, before I hit send, I, I remove the eyes and change it to we, because mm. I want to showcase that. Um, it's a team environment that we work in and that the team should get credit. So I it's, love that. It's, it's those everyday things. And then I think it's like going above and beyond. It's like the, the second part of the book. And that's where you need to develop best practices. And uh, the, uh, what I tell my team all the time is you're in your role, you're doing the job that, that is in the job description, but how do you go above and beyond and make the job description even better? How do you bring more additional value, create better processes that save us time or money, create new initiatives that, um, you know, create a better experience? Like I enjoy and, and I, I promote the individuals that are presenting new ideas, new tactics, new best practices to me versus the ones that are literally just doing their job and nothing else. They're putting in the 40 hours, they're doing the job, but they're not adding incremental value. Um, to be able to bring us to the next bar. Because at the end of the day, we want to keep getting better and better. And we can if everyone's just doing their normal 40-hour job without enhancing the job to the next level. Mm. Uh, I think I'll add one more. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really what I've been known for is um, using data effectively to get the yes. I think it's very important that no matter whatever business you're in, that you study your performance, you understand um, how your sales are, your revenue, your profit, your margin. Um, if, you're, if you're selling a product, which markets are doing well, which ones are not, how are you gonna fix it? What's the action plan? And um, if, you, if you know your numbers, your data, and you're able to analyze data effectively, um, I have found that people that 
could understand data, analyze data, and present data in an effective manner are also the ones that um, get promoted. Very well said. And I want to dive deeper in this idea of presenting data and, and knowing your numbers. Throughout your career, was there any sort of pivoting point for you when you started not only getting better at it, but what was that process of getting better at, you know, focusing on that key point of knowing your numbers? Because I, I think that, you know, knowing how you talk about that and the importance of it, I'm sure you've learned a lot of what not to do and what to do when it comes to that. And I'd love to dive deeper yeah. on, you know, some of the things to maybe not do when it comes to data and the things that could lead you in the wrong direction as you, you know, you make a case of this being a very uh, valid point, an important point. Yeah, I've, I've had many experiences where a boss would call me on the phone and um, say, hey, you know, ask me a question about my performance. They're like, hey, I'm about to go into a meeting with my boss, his boss, and they need to understand um, something very quick, uh, like what is the revenue of Bud Light in Texas and what's our growth? And um, you want to be able to either know it, know that answer right then or be able to pull up a report within minutes to be able to provide that answer. The worst thing you could do is say, I don't know, or let me get back to you. And by the time you like you get back to that person, they've already had that meeting with their superior and it was already too late. And so I think that's happened multiple, multiple times with me where either I knew the number right away and was able to provide it because I was able to study my performance and usually would take at least um, one day a week to take time to review my performance, memorize the numbers that I had, or being more organized and prepared where I knew maybe I didn't know every single number, but I knew how to pull it up on my computer very, very quickly because I had dashboards or Excel files. And in minutes, I would be able to answer probably 90% of the questions that were asked for me. And, and I think that's... Um, it shows that you know your performance. I mean, bottom yeah. line, when you're in sales, like that's rule number one. You got to know what you're, where you're selling well, where you're not, yep. which items are doing well, and and how to close those gaps. If you're working, I was selling to Walmart, Target, Kroger, um, like Tivana Ice Tea back in the day, and and I, uh, the data is power, and power is knowledge, and. Uh, you know, there's a time I remember I was doing a market visit um, with Target. I was working for Anheuser-Busch and we were touring different Target stores. And when you do a market visit with the buying team, you're you're going down every aisle. You're looking at, you know, your the alcohol assortment, which which I was working on. And um, I was able to provide the, the buyers key stats that they didn't know. Like, did you know that the number one selling item with alcohol is actually bananas and bananas mm. is actually a, it's the number one selling item in any grocery store because it, there's many units. You, you usually buy like five units at a time or I was able to provide more metrics on um, the lift that you get um, from this beer display or um, just different sales metrics as we go down the aisle. And that actually spoke to the target team because uh, I remember then Later on, a few months later, my boss was in the same meeting that I was in with Target, and Target 
made the comment, you know, Randy knows every number. We were in this <laughs> these Target stores and he was like quoting all these different numbers. And in actuality, I, I didn't know every number. I just knew some of the numbers, but then was able to portray they portray that in, in a way that they thought I knew every number. And it just made me look a little bit more knowledgeable and that I knew my performance. And yeah, I've always uh, had the perception that that I knew my performance. I, I get it all the time from different leaders. That's awesome. I mean, being being proactive, being able to efficiently not only portray portray them, but get to them in a timely manner. Yeah. Very well said. Uh, I, I want to ask you when it comes to the book and the listeners here today, let's say, you know, they buy your book, they get ready to read it. What do you hope that they gain from the book or what is something very important to you that you hope comes across to the reader of your book? I mean, I think the biggest thing is that they like the book. You know, it is a simple read. It's not going to be complex, but but that they utilize some of the tips um, to just improve themselves with the hopes that they get promoted from it. And, and that's really the end goal. You know, I don't think that, I think every individual is different. And so these are tips that I use to get promoted throughout my career, nine different promotions throughout the three companies I work for. They're not going to, every tip is not going to work for every individual because we all have different strengths and weaknesses. But if you utilize some of them, I guarantee you that they'll, um, they'll make you a, a better employee, a better teammate, a better individual, a, a better asset to your company. And um, it'll give you that extra edge that maybe your peers don't have because typically when a job is open, there's many people trying to to fight or trying to get, to try and get that next position. Only one could. And do you have what it takes to get there? Do you have that extra edge? And so, you know, you, you know who I think would be a good good reader of this book. I think there's a, a few different ones. I think it's it's um, people literally graduating college that have never done the workforce before, and but they want to start with an edge, and so they could start using these tips immediately. You know, that's one thing I wish. When I was 22, entering the workforce, you know, I, I didn't know any of this stuff. And I was pretty junior, very junior, no, no business acumen. And to have like um, some of that right at the beginning, I think could have even propelled my career quicker. I think it's also individuals that have a good job. They enjoy their company, but they've yet to, to really move up at that pace that they probably wanted to. And again, they, they need more help. Um, to, to learn and, and get better. And, and then I think it's um, for uh, business leaders like myself that wants their company to get better and their employees to get better. And, you know, I'm working with many suppliers that are buying the book for their employees. It's not just one individual, but it's the, it's the team or the department or the company. Um, because the goal is you don't just want one person in your company to improve, but you want the entire organization to improve. And if they all improve, and get better, um, then you should hope to see uh, higher revenue, higher profits, you know, better um, satisfa employee satisfaction. And that is, I love hearing that. And I also think too, as you said, right, it's like when you think about the, the listener, not the listener, the, the reader of the book, whether that's someone that's graduated in college or even, you know, lots of entrepreneurs listen to this show. And if you want your team to be operating more efficiently, to actually strive to do better within an organization, like this is the book you got to pick up. And, and I see that in, in happening in a very uh, 
great way when it comes to these entrepreneurs that listen to the show. Um, I want to, I want to ask you something just came to my mind and that is for every time you've gotten promoted along your career, Randy, what has changed in your life? Like, was there any massive mentality shifts? Do you feel obviously this, this different sense of responsibility or, or stress or how have you managed these different promotions and how have they helped you grow as an individual as well? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one, getting promoted is an amazing thing. It's a huge accomplishment. It's, it's something you should celebrate with your loved ones, your family, your friends, you know, it doesn't happen every day. And uh, certainly, you know, one great aspect is you usually get paid more money, but you also get a lot more responsibility, which I think is, is the big things like, yes, you want to get promoted, but usually that means that you have to work even harder. There's more responsibility for you. You're meeting with your management a lot more because you're, you're now a more, you become more senior and senior in the organization. And so I think there's more stress and, and I think it, it's, it's, you have to be able to manage the workload better and, but then effectively transition workload to your team and delegate properly and then manage effectively. And so typically, you know, as you, as you get promoted and promoted, you're then going into more managerial roles where like right now I'm, I'm in the employer review process where we're rating every employee and we're about to do employer reviews and, um, it's a good process, but uh, it's a lot of work to evaluate every one of your employees. You know, you, you want to say honest things to, to also get them better. Some of it is criticism, but, but a lot of it is positive. And um, you have to make the harder decisions as, as you move up. So, you know, I, I don't think anyone, very few people would, would turn down a promotion because it, it's, you, when you think of like the monetary value you would get and the more responsibility, but with that comes again, more responsibility and more, more time. And typically you're working longer. Absolutely. But in the end, I think it's a great thing. Totally. So Randy, as we wrap up this interview, last question I want to ask you is looking back as you started your career, when you didn't know anything about getting promoted in the tips and tricks and strategies, what would your advice be to yourself and why? I, I think I lived a, well, I, it's hard to say I lived a great life. I, I think I've had a great career so far. I think um, I probably wouldn't, my first few years I would, I was, you know, I, I almost lost my job at IRI. I remember I didn't, I wasn't performing to the levels that I, that I could have. I probably didn't take it seriously. I think that, um, I think everything happens for a reason and, and would I do anything different? You know, maybe, maybe had a few smarter techniques to, to better manage my, my job. I, I'm trying to think of a good, good answer here. <laughs> so I don't know if I have anything. I think I would just keep it the way it is. Cause I love that. You know, I'm, I'm here for a reason. Like, you know, some of it is luck. Like I, I was able to, um, by joining uh, the Walmart business at Anheuser-Busch propelled me in a way that I don't know if I would have, if I was on another um, retailer because Walmart is the, the creme de creme. It's the, it's the best retailer to work with. It's the biggest retailer to work with. And I was lucky enough to work with them for nine years. Wow. Um, 
mainly living in, in beautiful Bentonville, Arkansas, which is a yep. great town, by the way, but from South Florida, very different. Uh, and to be able to like get into that and work in that stressful environment um, awesome. has done wonders for me that I don't know if I would even be where I'm at today without some of the experience working with, with, with the, the beast of Walmart. I so love that. No, that's... I'm grateful for my career. I'm grateful that um, the companies I work for and I'll continue to do the best I can for the, for where I work. I love that. Well, Randy, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Congratulations on the book. And where is the best place for everyone listening or watching today to go buy the book and stay connected with you and your journey? Yeah, Amazon for sure. Uh, and then porchlightbooks.com will be the other. That's uh, if you want to make bulk orders, that's probably the best site for it. You could contact me directly um, just through my LinkedIn, Randy Ornstein, pretty simple don't have a website. So love that. get a lot of messages there. Uh, but, but Amazon and porch light will be the most common places to buy the book. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll fight to get into some bookstores, maybe <laughs> on the shelf in airports would be amazing as a, totally as a, you go fly your next flight. Awesome. Well, I will make sure to link all that down below Randy. And with that being said, for everyone listening and watching, thank you so much for tuning in today. And once again, Randy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Pleasure, Casey. Have a great day, everyone.